Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and today, I'm telling you, this is one of my favorite topics. Uh, and the good news is I have an expert here to join me uh, in conversation because while I love learning about this, while I love talking about it, it is like I'm so like many of you out there that don't really have the facts on what it means to drive green. What should you know about ways to reduce the carbon footprint of your personal transportation? Expert John Volker joining us here today, editor of GreenCarReports.com, is my very special guest today. And we're going to be looking at what these so-called green cars do, what they don't do, and how you can make an informed and intelligent decision about what your transportation looks like. How do you get from here to there? What do you know about cars or don't know? And this is a great conversation. John analyzes the auto industry and covers advanced automotive technologies and energy policy. Boy, do I have questions for him. He has been invited to speak on those topics that automakers at uh, at industry events across the globe. Senior editor at venture-funded startup High Gear Media. He he edits GreenCarReports.com and contributes to AllCarsElectric.com. He's joining us here today, a regular on Fox Car Report and and a serious satellite radio. He is someone that is passionate about. what we're doing in this planet, on this planet, and what we're doing in our lives so that we can truly make a difference. Today's show is going to be filled with information and probably filled with more questions than you've ever had before, but we're ready to begin the conversation and open up to a new arena of what it means to drive green. John, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Dr. Pat, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. This is really quite a dilemma. I, you know, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. And I'm going to start out with a conversation that I had with one of my friends because this is really just going to get right to the average everyday person's issue. I have a friend that looked for a car, and lo and behold, they, they went and they, they looked at various cars, had to get a new car, had to be a certain size, had to do so many things, but they needed to have great car mileage because of the commute every day. What they ended up buying was, a, a, I won't mention the brand name, but they ended up buying a diesel car. And for a lot of reasons, they said that was the car that they should buy. The dilemma is, you know, can you get diesel fuel everywhere, and was that a good choice to make? So the question, John, in all of this is what are the myths out there? What are the untruths, the things that people believe will help them with their transportation, you know, with their carbon footprint? And and what are some of the challenges that, that we run into every day in trying to figure this out? Great questions, and this is the kind of stuff that we write about really all the time in Green Car Reports. So I think the biggest myth is that to get good or decent fuel mileage, you have to go down to a teeny-weeny little car. Um, You know, clearly small cars take less energy to move around, so on average they get better mileage. But there are ways to improve the mileage 
in your life and in whatever vehicle you have. So there are ways to drive more economically, but also there are options even within any given size of car. If you have five kids, you may need a really large vehicle to take the whole family on trips or whatever. But there are ways, even if you have to get a big minivan or a full-size sport utility vehicle even, you can get a, the smaller engine option, which really the performance is not going to be that different in terms of acceleration. It may be a little bit slower off the line, but if you really want to save the money on the gas, ordering the smallest engine in any given vehicle is always a good way to improve your gas mileage. Um, another, another one is that um, diesels are dirty. Your friends who bought the diesel, was that recently? Yes, uh, I want to say a month ago. Okay, so that's one of the new clean diesels. Yes, it is. Yeah. And um, you're right, about half the gas stations in the U.S. now have diesel fuel available. The problem is, in that half, half of the stations, it's not always on the same pumps or in the same place as regular gasoline. And there are some people who may not be entirely comfortable with going out back and fueling up next to semis. Um, my mother is fine with that, actually. Um, she wanted a diesel, didn't end up with getting one. But, you know, that does make some people uncomfortable. So if you're thinking of getting a diesel, it's a good idea to check out where you normally fuel up. What's your neighborhood gas station? What's the one next to work? You know, with, do they have diesel fuel? I think you'll find that actually diesel owners are an amazingly tight group. If someone finds out that you own a diesel car, you become a friend and you're part of this little subculture, which is kind of cool. And they'll swap tips on where to get diesel fuel. But because your friends have such a long commute, I assume they put on way more miles on average than your app, you know, than their neighbors or than other people. I right. think it was probably actually a very good choice for them. Um, we look at sort of three ways, three types of green cars. You've got smaller cars, you've got hybrids, and you've got diesels. Hybrids are at their best in the city. If you're doing a ton of stop and go, a hybrid is perfect because it switches off the engine whenever it's not moving, and it can move short distances on pure electricity that it recaptured, right? Right. So, so um, if you're basically driving in a city, a lot of stop and go, I mean, think sort of Manhattan taxi driver driving pattern, right? They're, they're actually replacing a lot of the taxis in Manhattan with hybrids, and the drivers love them because they basically tripled their gas mileage. Um, so if, like your friends, though, you're doing a lot of sort of high-speed freeway commuting or you put on a ton of miles every day where it isn't so much stop and go, a diesel is a more efficient type of engine, and you will definitely get better mileage. Um, in the business, we used to say, you know, diesels kind of had their window yeah. two years ago. Mm -hmm. when gas got, remember when gas went to $4 a gallon? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And aren't we, like, on our way back there now? <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to render an opinion on future oil prices. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I just, do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, I totally get it. I just, I'm just watching the pumps locally here, and I'm just kind of amazed by it. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they really had sort of a you know, a 15-minute slot of fame out there when gas prices went up. Um, the diesel went up even more, and that mm, was the problem. People mm -hmm. were sort of saying, okay, so diesel's a little bit more expensive, but it gets better mileage, but the fuel's more expensive. How do I, you know, complicated that. Right. I think diesels will slowly increase, but much more in trucks. You know, the big pickup trucks, most of them have diesels, uh, you know, in work trucks or sort of the large end of pickup trucks. Um, cars 
though, is the hybrids gradually growing. Hybrids are already 3% of the U.S. market right now after oh, yeah. 10 years. And, of course, when I say hybrid, everybody thinks Toyota Prius, right? Well, of course, we do at the moment, you know, yeah. because they've done a brilliant job of getting to market first, don't you think? Absolutely. Toyota was clearly the first off the mark. They're the world leader. Two-thirds of all of the hybrids on the globe have been made by Toyota. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and they really do save you. I mean, the Prius has a lot of room inside. I'm always surprised it's classified as a mid-sized car. You know, 50 miles a gallon for a mid-sized car, not so bad. But, you know, again, to your friends with the diesel. I guess the other myth that I wanted to kind of talk about was this idea that um, as fuel economy standards increase, you know, the, the president signed standards for cars from now through 2016, and they're already working on even tougher standards for the period after that. Inevitably, cars are going to get less good. You know, we'll have to give stuff up, or mm-hmm. they won't be as safe or any of that. Total mess. Total mess. Um, car makers know in a brutally competitive car industry, you're not going to buy a car if it doesn't have as least, at least the amount of options and standard equipment and safety as your last car, and probably more. And yeah, it's great that the government says that it has to get better mileage, but it's still, first and foremost, it has to be a good car that's properly built with all the stuff that people want to buy. So what will happen, I think, is that as car mileage has to increase by law, cars are going to get a little bit more expensive because, unfortunately, um, using less gasoline sometimes costs you more money. The technology is getting more complicated. Um, We'll see smaller engines across the board, you know. It's interesting. Um, Hyundai, the Korean manufacturer, already said there are certain types of cars they're not offering V6s, period. Yeah, that's it. Right. And we'll see much more of that. The engines will get smaller. But they'll have things like direct injection and turbocharging to make them really a lot more efficient. You're going to see bigger cars with smaller, much more efficient engines. That stuff does cost, at least until it gets to be standard equipment, the way something like fuel injection did. Well, I have to tell you that, you know, I, I owned an Altima a couple of years back, and, the, you know, Altima has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, you know, uh, since I, I owned that car. But that car had a four-cylinder in it, and honestly, it didn't need any more than that. It, you know, and so there's this question of, and what happened with me is I'm one of these folks that fell right into the conversation of buy a smaller car thinking that the engine in that smaller car was going to give you better mileage. And I actually bought a smaller car thinking that that would happen only to find out that the engine in this smaller car is one of these super-duper engines that really doesn't give you better mileage. And so how does the average, you know, person in this country, you know, figure this out? Where do they go? And how do they find out what questions to ask? Well, the best online resource for gas mileage is the EPA's rating uh, website, which shows all of their official ratings for gas mileage for every new car sold in the country with each engine option, engine and transmission option. Very simple. It's fueleconomy.gov. And I probably, for my writing, I probably hit that site ten times a week because that's, that's the official source. It's easy to sort through. You can sort by model year or car make, you know. It's, it's pretty accessible. And that's where all of the official ratings are. So that's a good place to start. But 
more than that, you know, there is really a lot of things that people can do to improve their mileage if they're willing to think about how they drive. Um, one of the things over the past 20 years, as technology has improved, we've added more features to cars. Um, most of the improvement has gone to adding weight into cars because safety is safety weighs a lot, basically. Um, adding more features, think about all the amazing electronics that are there, and making them quicker. Right. Cars, new cars today are notably quicker off the line and in all the acceleration brackets than they were 20 years ago, and that's sort of gotten to be the standard thing. You know, I look around when I drive. You know, I have a, I have a Subaru station wagon with the smallest engine, and I'm just amazed at the people whizzing off the stoplight, barreling up and to the next stoplight, and then ramming on their brakes. You know, if you drive with an awareness of what you're doing, if you plan ahead, and the old sort of gas mileage trick is always drive as if there's an egg between your foot and the accelerator pedal. And if you just sort of gently accelerate away, you know, and plan ahead so you can coast as opposed to accelerating right up to something and then stopping. But it requires people to think. Well, it does. It requires us to get retrained if we need to be retrained exactly. in a lot of ways. But the payoff from that is enormous when we think about it in a lot of different ways. I mean, um, you know, I want to ask you a question about the, the speed limit because we went through, I think, a series in this country, and I know I went through it, where, you know, I come from a place where you get on the highway and you just, like, you know, you're killing it, right? And the speed limit supports that. Then we went through an era where we dropped the speed limit. Then we went back now to raising the speed limit again. And some people say that that's probably one of the things that, you know, can be done institutionally, let me just say that, especially with the federal roads, um, and that it makes a difference. And I wanted to get your opinion. Does it make a difference or not? Certainly it takes more energy to move the same car at a higher speed. And um, I think that lower speed, you know, if people do drive lower speeds, it will save gasoline. The problem is we've spent basically since World War II building a country around cars and building cities and suburbs and exurbs and whatnot to the point where many people's entire lives require them to drive enormous amounts. Um, the, there's a statistic about three-quarters of American cars do less than 40 miles a day. But for Europe and Asia, that figure is much higher, which is to say three-quarters of their cars do 30 or maybe just 20 miles a day. Wow. You know, they simply drive lower distances than we do. Americans have long-distance commutes. They have long stretches of freeway. And quite frankly, you know, it's very hard to drive at 55 or 60 on a road that 40 years ago was designed for 85 miles an hour, which is the interstate spec. Um, you know, especially if you've ever driven across country, which I have. Yeah, I have too. Country, you know, you wouldn't even think about going through them at that speed. Um, but there's an interesting statistic, and it kind of brings me to the, the big issue around fuel economy. When gas got expensive a couple of years ago, the average speed on certain measured uh, freeways with toll gates and so on, average speeds dropped 5, even 10 miles an hour. As gasoline got more expensive, whether consciously or not, people eased off a little bit. And so the moral of the story is, and this is really, you know, 
I try to add this context whenever I talk to people. America has incredibly cheap gasoline compared to the rest of the world. I paid 2.75 a gallon in upstate New York this weekend, okay, um, compared to sort of $4 a gallon at the height. Parts of Europe, parts of Asia pay $8 a gallon. Mm. Okay, now, to your question earlier about fuel prices, I don't know anyone who thinks that gasoline is going to get significantly cheaper and stay that way indefinitely. Most people tend to believe that gasoline will be more expensive in the future, but how much more expensive? No one, no one can really tell. There were a lot of dire predictions. And, you know, people change their behavior. Price and markets are a tremendously effective way to get people to do something different. When gas was at its highest, the change in what people bought during that sort of six-month period, if that, if that had been a permanent change, it would have accomplished all of the mileage gains all by itself. People basically stopped buying big pickup trucks unless they had to have them for work, and they bought a car that was a size smaller. They might buy a car instead of a, a truck or a minivan or an SUV. Really, people just changed overnight. Now it's kind of slid back, but if gas gets expensive again, mark my words, people will buy smaller, more fuel-efficient cars. The challenge for the industry is it takes five years and about a billion dollars to plan and design and produce a new car. So five years ago, no one knew gas was going to go to $4 a gallon and then slide all the way back down. So the auto industry is kind of seesawed by all of this. Well, John, I wanted to ask you a question because it sounds like the auto industry is in a little bit of a predicament. However, I've heard so much about Ford and Ford's leadership being so, um, what do I want to say? What do I want to say? Gen genuinely concerned about the planet and the earth. And so at least from the surface, most of us that don't really know a whole lot about this, you know, like you do, you know, we see a company like Ford and we see them almost eking out to kind of take the lead. Is that because they got a jump start or is that just an illusion that we think Ford is in that position to do that? Every auto company certainly does its very best at PR to highlight their green initiatives, whatever they may happen to be. On the other hand, Bill Ford, whose name is on the building and who was CEO of the company until about four years ago, yep. genuinely has a commitment to green causes. He actually committed the company to a couple of initiatives they couldn't follow through on, yeah. and he kind of got pasted on that. But, you know, while every company has them, he did things like taking their River Rouge plant, which was really sort of the, the heart of the American auto industry, where uh, Model T, you know, as they said, Ross Deal goes in one end and Model T's drive out the other end. Yeah. They completely recast that plant, and it now has a green roof, among other things. And that's, that's fairly radical for sort of automobile manufacturing in the heartland. So Bill Ford's heart is in the right place, but sometimes economic necessity and the survival of the company um, trumps that. I think what you are seeing is that um, all of the automakers really do recognize now things are going to change, that whether because of regulation or because of long-term consumer desires, they have to make more efficient and greener cars. And that takes us into electric cars, which uh, 
is its own discussion. Well, we're going to talk about that when we come back from break. John Volker, Volker joining us here today on the Dr. Pat Show. He is a leader, leader in analyzing the auto industry and, you know, covering advanced technologies and energy policy. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about what's coming up next. What should all of us know about the, the latest, the newest? What about hybrids? What about electric cars? What are the pros? What are the cons? And how about that Nissan company? What are they doing? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Athletes, diabetics, moms, let me tell you about a new high-tech energy gel called Chocolate Number no. 9. Chocolate Number no. 9 is made with only organic agave and the finest dark roast Belgian cocos. Number 9 contains no refined sugar. Number 9 is a certified low glycemic index item, and best of all, Chocolate Number no. 9 simply tastes great. Find out more at chocolatenumber9.com or call 866-999-1909. That's 866-999-1909. Are you tired of the diet roller coaster? Tired of losing the weight only to gain it back again? Would you like to learn how to take the weight off once and for all? This is Cheryl Manchester from Positive Changes Hypnosis, where we help thousands of clients reach their goals and stay there. Make a lasting change in your life. Call Positive Changes in Bellevue at 888-311-7157 to schedule a free consultation. That's 888-311-7157. Do you love who and what you see in the mirror? Stop struggling with weight loss and learn to love who you are right now. 95% of dieters regain their weight within five years for a reason. They never truly learn to love their bodies. Visit BodyImageMastery.com to start your journey towards self-love and healing and get the results that you've always wanted. Call Laura Fenimore at 415-464-1234 or visit BodyImageMastery.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm so thrilled to have John Volker joining me here today at the show. But I want to give you a couple of websites, okay? Um, you can go to www.greencarreports.com if you want. Just go check that out, www.greencarreports.com. Uh, and you can ask John a question if we don't cover it during this. And we'll give you a, a lot more information to make sure that you plug in and find out what's going on. John, thank you so much for, for joining me here today. Um, you know, it's really interesting because I've been looking at uh, what to do to get a new car. I mean, I lease a car right now, and what, what I want to do is I've been looking at other cars because of this, you know, this dilemma about gas, and, and I was drawn to uh, certain cars to do that, not necessarily drawn to an electric car or a hybrid, but drawn to another car that represents sort of a good gas mileage for what I do. I'm not, I don't get out there and burn up the roads. I don't have a lot. I don't really drive that much, really, um, but it is highway drive. And I think people are interested in knowing, okay, should I wait for what's to come? And by the way, what is coming? During the break, we were talking about Nissan, and I, I just shared a minute um, with you about um, a conversation I had at a Green Expo here recently in Seattle about Nissan's new car. And so, you know, what what are we to be optimistic about? And, and then the other question is, what are we to be a little cautious about? 
Um, great questions. To the question of delaying purchase, you know, if you need a new car, you need a new car. Um, people are pretty savvy about understanding when it would be nice to have a new car and when it's really time to put the old one out to pasture. Um, so what we're seeing now, as cars have gotten steadily more reliable over the past 20 years, we're in this interesting situation where the first time since World War II, America is actually junking more, new, more cars than it sells new. Our total vehicle population is actually falling, um, which it hasn't done since the war. Um, what that means is that people are hanging on to their old cars longer and longer. They're stretching them out. Muffler shops are doing great business because it's just, you know, let's keep it going for one more year. Exactly. But, M- muffler and brake places. You know it. Yeah, you know. So, uh, yeah I'm not going to mention any brake car, car companies' names, but they're just, they're just doing great. They're just having a blast. So eventually people are going to have to replace the cars. But when that happens, you know, they can consider whether they get one of the new advanced technology cars or they can go and simply look at what's available now that meets their needs. They may be changing car categories, going from a sedan to a minivan. They may want to downsize, you know, sort of one category, maybe from a midsize to a compact. You know, people will be able to make those choices. What they'll find across the market is that basically mileage is as good now as it was and probably a little bit better 10 years ago. And the cars have a lot more features in them, um, standard, tons of safety equipment. I mean, you know, there are cars with nine airbags now. Yes, I know. I know. You know, if gas mileage is first and foremost a concern, then we talked about ordering a smaller engine. They really need to look hard at, what do you need? You know, is is the car that you buy being spec'd out for the most extreme situation where, in fact, you know, twice a year you take seven kids to something? Because most cars in America get driven by one person, and most households have two and a half cars, some number like that. You know, are you buying a car for the extreme, or are you buying a car for how you actually live? And when people really sort of sit down and look at that, and they say, well, okay, for the twice a year that I need to carry seven kids around, does it make sense to rent a bigger car, and I can make do with a compact sedan? You know, there are car-sharing services that are very popular among people in their 20s in big cities where they don't want the hassle of owning a car. Every weekend or a couple days a week, they'll get a car from one of these sharing services. It's kind of like short-term rental, you know. There are ways where you don't actually need to own quite so much vehicle and sort of fill in on the sides. I'm always amazed when I see, you'll forgive the stereotype, but I see, you know, a trim blonde suburban woman carrying a 90-pound boy and a 60-pound girl off to soccer practice in a full-size three-ton SUV. Kind of like, hmm. Well, we went through that phase of that, and you know, and I think the the phase came from, uh, and we're actually getting a little bit in that now. I think with Toyota, and that is the safety scare. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, boy, I can't remember the car that that started it all. It wasn't too long ago, but there was, you know, um, a vehicle, and I don't remember the name that had some some serious problems with it. You know, dangerous problems. And I think when we when you go through that psychologically then you get the moms involved, and they're basically saying, you know what, it doesn't much matter to me. These are my kids, and unless somebody can convince me otherwise, this is what's going to feel right to me. 
Um, you know, Unfortunately, not the data don't support. It doesn't, not at all. Well, you know, but it's like, isn't it like buying decisions in general? I mean, you have the data and then you have the emotions. Yeah, and you know, people. The fascinating thing about the car industry for me is that it this makes a very hard-headed, rational decision about functionality and capability and data, and fairly poorly understood psychological stuff about what in our culture or your particular piece of American culture your car says about you to the world. Mm -hmm. um, there's this great study. They looked at minivan buyers and sport utility buyers. Demographically, they're sort of identical, right? They live in the same suburbs. They have the same income level. They have the same 2.x kids, that whole bit. But psychologically, totally different. Minivan buyers basically don't care what people see them driving. <laughs> it's a machine, right? It's a tester right. that happens to carry you around. Right. SUV buyers are of that of that ilk where I wouldn't be caught dead in a minivan. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, That's right. The psychological stuff mm -hmm. that matters. I always get in trouble for saying people buy Prius hybrids for exactly the same reason they bought Hummer Sport Utility vehicles. And, you know, people's jaws just fall open. They buy it because they want to say something to the world about who they are and what they believe. There's no question about that. I mean, I think that the end of marketing from Toyota was brilliant around that. Now the question then becomes, is Nissan and some of these other companies going to do the same? And let's talk about that. Nissan has a tagline, uh, John, that says, goodbye gas, electricity is the new reality. I was hoping that somebody would pull electricity is the new gas. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like 60 is now the, the, you know, the new 40 or something. But the point being that this is their tagline. And, and they're saying it very modestly, but it's on their website. It's around someplace. Um, and so the question that becomes, is it going to catch on? You know, is this, and especially, I'm, not, I'm, I'm pointing at Nissan because what they've done is they've created a very sexy, um, I think, American-type car, which has the look and the feel of something that you would buy if it weren't electric. And that. And so when we come back from break, I would love to have that conversation about electric cars. Now, is this the first time an electric car has been brought to the industry? No. John and I will talk about that when we come back. And what should you know about buying an electric car that perhaps you don't know now? Is that the direction to go? And what about price points? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. Ready to manifest your heart's desire? Want to know the secret to navigating life's in-between times with confidence and skill? Ready, Set, Manifest with Life Coach Debbie Lacey offers real tools to coach yourself through the in-betweens and leaps in life. Say goodbye to being stuck and hello to Ready, Set, Manifest. Visit theinspiredcoach.com and join the next Ready, Set, Manifest telegathering. You're not lost. You're getting ready. Visit theinspiredcoach.com. Remember, for our dogs and cats to live long and happy lives, just like people, they are what they eat. Wellness carefully selects wholesome ingredients to create food you can trust to provide the foundation of your pet's well-being. True wellness means every ingredient has a purpose in every recipe they make. You can trust the quality of all ingredients in wellness from their source to your pet's bowl. Visit wellnesspetfood.com to find a pet specialty retailer near you. Wellness Natural Food for Pets. This is where true wellness begins. 
Ladies, are you living an inspired life? Do you yearn for a more passionate, dream-filled life? Here's Linda Joy, founder of Aspire Magazine, and she has a gift for you. Aspire has launched its Mission to Inspire initiative with a commitment to give away 100,000 one-year digital subscriptions to women around the globe. Every subscription comes with a multitude of free gifts from our team inspiration partners. To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. Are you feeling a little lost, powerless to overcome your challenges? Dawn Stansfield is a compassionate healer and intuitive messenger who focuses on your self-empowerment by examining current day circumstances, whether they are past, present, or future. She offers practical tools to help you overcome difficult situations and move forward in your life path. For a private consultation, contact Dawn today at 425-453-8180 or visit dawnsvision.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. For more information about us, please check it out. Go to drpatlive.com. If you've missed any part of this show today with John Volker, then please make sure that you uh, redial it and play it back. We've got the archives ready for you to go. John's joining us here today, and what he does is he analyzes the auto industry and makes sure that we understand what advanced automotive technologies and energy policy is all about. So he breaks this down for us in a way that we can understand it and make informed and intelligent decisions. That's what I'm loving about this. John, thank you so much for joining us here today. You know, now we are starting the conversation about electric, and I think I shared with you, um, Nissan in particular, is starting to get ready to build their campaign for electric, which is actually going to be in competition with hybrids and certainly other cars. But you know, their 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 conversation around this is the you know, talking to people that now electric cars are now the new gas cars. They are going to be the cars that replace this. And yet many of us don't even know how to decipher how these cars even work. And I just shared with you a break and somebody said to me, Well what if you run out of gas, they said so to speak, or electric gas and I said you know, I'm going to ask John about this because I don't really know what we're doing to prepare for the arrival of the electric car. These are all such great questions, and we're really at an exciting time because for the first time in a, in a century, basically since the 1910s, we're going to start seeing a new way of powering vehicles. Um, the electric self-starter was invented in 1912, and that made gasoline engine cars practical. Previously, they'd only been used sort of out in farm you know, in rural areas, because they had long range compared to steam cars or electric cars of the time, but they could break your arm when you started them because you had to crank over the engines. Once you took an electric motor, used that to turn the engine to start it up, all of a sudden they got to be practical, the Model T came, and the rest is history. So now, in 2011 model year cars, we have two cars entering the U.S. market in certain regional areas that are not gasoline-driven cars. They're electric cars. We would say electric drive. I like to, to call them plug-ins because plug-in is essentially any car that you power based on plugging into the electricity grid, which is to say your utility is selling you your vehicle fuel. 
Um, so the two plugins, one is the Nissan Leaf that you identified. That's an all-electric car. It has a range of about 100 miles, give or take, depending on when you drive and where you drive and so forth. The other one is called the Chevrolet Volt, and that is also a plug-in car. It has an electric range of 40 miles, which everybody goes, 40 miles, have nothing. But it also has a small gasoline engine on board that can run a generator. So the thing about the Volt is it will run 40 miles on electricity that you plug it in. So if you use it just commuting, if you never go beyond 40 miles a day, assuming you plug it in at night, you may never turn on that gasoline engine. Um, but if you need, you can use this as a first car because if you need to pack the kids in the back and drive to grandma's five hours away, say 300 miles, just you drive your first 40 miles on electricity at freeway speeds, and then the gas engine switches on, it powers, it generates electric power that runs the wheels, and you can go indefinitely. And when you, you know, when you empty your gas tank, you fill it up again and keep going. The the two different designs, the Nissan, which is a pure electric car, yep. and the Volt, which is what we call a range-extended one, they share something in common. It's not, it, you know, it's the electric motor and the battery that are turning the wheels, okay, at all times. Even when that old engine switches on, there's no transmission to use it to power the wheel. But the question about range anxiety, which is the phrase for, oh, my God, I might run out of power. No kidding. Is a good one, and um, there's some data out there that shows a couple things. Um, 78% of cars in the U.S., I think I said this earlier, go 40 miles a day or less. So, you know, are we buying a car that we could one day suddenly jump in and drive to California in, whereas that's not how we use it? We do expect that most plug-in cars will be second or third cars in households. Um, we've always bought cars or vehicles based on what we need to do with them. You know, if you live in a city and you're just sort of knocking around, you buy a small hatchback. If you have kids and you live in the suburbs and you carry around dogs and people in sports gear and whatnot, you buy a bigger car, a minivan, an SUV, whatever. We will now start to also, in, as well as specifying body styles, specify powertrains based on what we expect to do with the car. So if you have a household that has three cars, you probably have two gasoline cars, but maybe there's a plug-in, and that's used for trips of up to 100 miles a day. Um, now, you had asked um, about do you need a plug. Um, they run electric cars, recharge themselves off what is essentially 240-volt power, yes. which is dry, it's basically a dryer circuit, an electric yes. dryer or an electric exactly. So. You may or may not have that in your garage, but it's not a huge deal to get it in. And Nissan is working with a company called AeroVironment where if you go in and you will buy a Nissan Leaf, they're going to send a guy out, look at your garage, and essentially wire you in a vehicle charger to comply with local codes. But it basically uses that same power. If you have a dryer in your garage, you're there. Um, the idea for having a separate vehicle charger as opposed to just kind of running an extension cord is twofold. Number one, in the future, cars are going to be able to be smarter, talk to the electric grid, and only recharge on the cheapest power. Electric utilities love the idea of you 
buying vehicle fuel from them, especially recharging at night when their demand is lowest. They have tons and tons of unused generating capacity at night. They would love to use some of that capacity and sell you electricity to run your vehicle. And they're going, you, you will see, you see it already in California, you will see plans where you will have very cheap electricity specifically running through that charger to fuel up your car. Okay. Well, you know, John, one of the things, though, you know, I think that runs through people's minds is, again, the cost of all of this. Yep. I mean, there definitely isn't a cost, and there's a cost for installation, and there's definitely a cost for electricity. And this is, again, one of these same, let's go back to the psychological conversation around this, because it's almost as if, you know, the electric car is going to service people that can afford um, uh, you know, cars like a Hummer, so to speak. And the reason I say that is because at the moment, you know, people have this mindset that, wow, we're not even going to put electric, electric heat in our homes, let alone have a car run all night long to charge a battery on a 220 or a 240 volt line. And so the question then becomes, you know, how do we get beyond that? And do you think that uh, Nissan or um, you know, I guess the Volt are doing a good job of that. Now, I know that there are some discounts that, uh, or let's just call them tax credits, from the through December of 2010. But the, from what I understand, you know, the, uh, the Nissan's electric car doesn't even come out to that. When we come back, we'll be talking about, you know, what it is we might expect from these electric cars. What should we know about them? What, again, are some of the things that you want to get the truth about and who exactly are the folks that want to buy these cars? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Reach your full potential and increase energy with the superfood of the Inca, Maca Magic. Maca naturally balances hormones, relieves symptoms of PMS, menopause, and erectile dysfunction. Maca increases energy, stamina, and endurance without caffeine. Visit MacaRoot.com. That's M-A-C-A Root.com. Call 541-846-6222. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you tired of struggling to get to where you want to be in your life? Want some help getting to that next level? Hi, I'm Dr. Melody Ivory, personal growth expert and passionate champion of your complete success. I'm excited to give you powerful books, teas, and coaching to help you easily transform your life from the inside out. Now is the time to make your life sing. Visit MelodyIvory.com for free articles, poetry, and affirmations. That's MelodyIvory.com. Hi, this is Anna Luque, author of The Yoga Diet. Based on scientific research, this lifestyle has been carefully formulated to promote weight loss and boost the immune system. The Yoga Diet will help you achieve overall balance and radiant health, even if you suffer from lactose and gluten intolerance, yeast infections, digestive problems, and more. Consuming yogurt daily is an excellent way to optimum health and ideal weight. And a yogurt I recommend is Greek God's Greek Yogurt. So 
thick and creamy. Greek Gods Yogurt is simply yogurtlicious. Greek Gods Yogurt is full of probiotic bacteria, good for overall health. And it's made with all natural ingredients in the same tradition yogurt has been made in Greece for centuries. Try the Greek Gods popular honey yogurt or the tangy yet subtly sweet pomegranate. Don't forget to try the new Greek Gods Kefir cheese spread. Great for dips or as a healthy substitute for sour cream. Be happy. Go Greek. Experience the myth. Welcome back to the show. And as I said before, you can, you know, you could go to www.greencarreports.com um, and you can ask John a question and, uh, you know, find out what it is you might learn about how to make an informed decision about automotive industry um, kinds of options right now. We've never had, I don't think, John, a better time to have so many options on the table for us to think about. Now, the good news is there are options. Maybe the not-so-good news for people is that, oh, my gosh, I'm like in information overload. I don't know how to make these decisions. One of them has to do with cost. And there is, you know, I I believe that, you know, we went through a a situation with the hybrids, which kind of got us at a place where we said, oh, wait a minute, these things really work. I can actually drive them. Um, And now we're coming into a whole new range of technology and have to battle beyond the myth of, oh, wow, electric cars. Wow, I wouldn't even put electric in my home. It costs so much. So this is kind of the beginning of this conversation to see what do these car dealers need to do to convince us that this is a smart move. There's a whole educational component. We never really had to explain how a gasoline car works because essentially everyone's grown up with it, right? Right. This is something new. These are all really appropriate and valid questions. Um, And car dealers are having to do things they never had to deal with before. Your local auto dealer doesn't normally have to coordinate with a third-party company and the electric utility to say, well, my customer lives in this area, so it's that power company, so we have to have this contractor come out and wire in a charger. It's all doable, but they're going to start in very small numbers, and there's this kind of perception out there that five years from now, half the cars are going to be electric. Not true. It's going to take generations to the point where, you know, a third of the cars are electric. There are goals where we say, you know, by 2050 or 2030, what percentage do we want 20% or 50% of the cars to be electric? But this is going to take place over our lifetimes. The concern about electric heating, though, is an interesting one. An electric car charging at night pulls about as much power as four plasma TV sets, which is to say... You know, it's not going to take down the grid. There's been some concern about, aren't we going to destroy the electric grid? You know, electric cars are a known quantity. We know how much power they pull out. Um, They're not going to triple your household electric bill. In fact, depending on how many miles you've driven that day, recharging your electric car for another 40 or 50 miles, depending on how many miles you drove, is probably under a buck. Mm -hmm. Electric power is actually pretty cheap, and it's a very efficient way to deliver energy around. So, you know, you might suppose you could take one of your cars and however much you pay for gas every month for that one car, suppose you replace that with, oh, I don't know, 15 bucks of electricity. You will definitely save money on electricity. And, in fact, it's funny we're discussing this because today 
on our website, allcarselectric.com. Okay. We did, we did an article. There's a company out there called Coda, C-O-D-A, that is going to be selling uh, an electric sedan just in California, so it doesn't get as much prey, you know, play. But they have a calculator on their website where you can dial in what you pay for your power, how many miles you drive, and you can actually see the cost savings of driving on gasoline versus driving on electricity. It's a nice little calculator. We just wrote this article today, so check. It's on the front page of allcarselectric.com. But there will be more tools like that from all of the manufacturers as people sort of get more into the, okay, what is this electric car thing? But it's important for us to understand the people who are buying the first several years' worth are the early adopters. They're the family in your neighborhood that was the first one to get a Toyota Prius hybrid. What's that strange-looking car down there, right? Exactly. Or, you know, who, whose kid brought home the very first iPod six years ago? And it's like, wow. I mean, <laughs> like a Walkman, but so tiny. <laughs> Those early adopters are really going to be the people who buy the first wave, you know, the first 100,000 electric cars because they're very cool. They're technologically advanced. Those, will, those people will be the evangelists in neighborhoods. And gradually, you know, someone will wander over and ask, and, you know, they'll say, well, yeah, but what happens if you get stuck by the side of the road with no power? And what the people will say is, well, you know, I really used to be anxious about driving it, and I'd only ever drive to 50% of the battery, and then I'd run home and recharge. But, in fact, I got comfortable with it, and I realized I can use all of that range. And, you know, how many days do you really drive 100 miles in a single car? So people over time will ask those questions. They'll see that their neighbors or friends have the cars, and gradually over years that education process filters out. So there's a question I have for you, which is kind of strange, but, you know, um, uh, I, I think it's a common question. You know, if in an electric car that you use the electricity to actually move the wheels, then, then the question then becomes of, how does that work if the car is standing still? Because this is the big controversy around gas, gas wastage, and especially in California. I went to school in California where you can really count on just being sitting there some days and not moving. And so there's this question of is there an advantage um, in driving an electric car in situations like that in places like California where I know most of the time I was on the road, I was, I was sitting there for a bit. Absolutely. If the car is not moving, you are not using any energy to move the car, unlike a gas engine, which stays switched on. So you're burning gasoline whether you're moving or not. You may be using some electricity to run a heater or run a stereo or an air conditioner or something in your car, even if you're standing still. But you're not, move, you know, you're not moving a 4,000-pound car around, so you're not burning energy for that. But it gets better because, actually, all electric cars use what's called regenerative braking which means essentially if you're cruising along and you lift off the accelerator slightly or you're going downhill or you have to brake for a stoplight, all of those times it engages a generator and it takes the slowing down that you would have had to use brakes for and it uses that to generate power and puts it right back into the battery. Wow. So, in fact, you spend, let's say, you know, you spend a kilowatt hour to travel X amount of distance you get about 30% of that back, put back into the battery every time you brake or you lift off and the car slows a little bit because you're heading down a steep hill. And that software to recapture all of the energy that would otherwise be lost as heat in your brakes um, 
is really important because that's what makes them way more efficient. And it's a funny little statistic. Electric cars use their brakes about four times as slowly. You don't have to replace brake pads on an electric car like for years and years and years because, in fact, you only use the traditional brakes in hard stops, in emergencies. All the rest of it is just regenerative, putting power right back into the battery. So a question comes up about companies like Coda and the Coda car that you have on the website. Um, and I just want to tell everybody, all cars, uh, electric.com is the website. Uh, you know, it's interesting to see that this car is California, uh, will be distributed in California only. What, can, can you explain that a little bit? Because questions about this. Um, sure. Electric yeah. cars are going to be rolled out regionally okay. um, bit by bit because the numbers aren't going to be there. They're going to sell 10,000 volts in, during 2011. Uh -huh. They have 20,000 Nissan Leafs globally. They're all already spoken for next year. Yes, I heard. So small numbers. They're going to individual regions that have the most early adopters, the most green sensibility, so that they can get all these mechanisms in place to wire up people's garages and educate dealers. Got They're it. They're doing it manageably. All right, we're changing the infrastructure. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have a wrap-up on the Dr. Pat show. suffer from insomnia, body aches, fatigue, brain fog, digestive problems, weight gain, or anxiety? You may be dealing with unmanaged stress. The stress detective looks for the hidden messages within your stress and partners with you to create a wellness program to dismantle stress from the inside out. Learn to manage your stress and you can stop illness in its tracks. Call Susan Tyler at 888-629-4949 or visit stressdetective.net. You heard about it last year. You even thought about entering, but didn't. Now, life is giving you a second chance, announcing your second chance to change from the inside out with Dr. Pat's 2010 Holistic Makeover. So get on board. Winners will embark on a journey to make powerful change with the help and support of an entire team of coaches. Want to be a winner? Fill out the survey and tell your inspired story and how you plan to pay it forward. Go to drpatsmakeover.com. That's drpatsmakeover.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. If you missed any part of this, go to drpatlive.com. John Boker joining me here today, senior editor for High Gear Media, focus on Greek car news and review coverage. He's joining us here today. John, thank you so much. Hey, I would love for you to do a wrap-up. Thank you for joining us. What's your personal message? I think the message is that everybody can save more gasoline than they are now if they think about it. You know, do you really need to buy as large a car? Are you driving too aggressively? Do you really need to make that trip? Could you double up with someone? But that it's also an exciting time coming up because we really are going to start to see the first real, live, practical plug-in vehicles. That's the start of a transition that will last for several decades. Um, they will initially be a little bit more expensive than comparable gasoline cars, like all new technologies, but there's a whole slew of government incentives, both federal tax credits and a number of different uh, incentives and rebates in different states. So it, the purchase cost depends a little bit on where you live, but in early markets like California, there's both a $7,500 tax credit for a plug-in car and a state credit that could be as much as $5,000. And so in the end, 
for the first buyers, if they qualify, your electric car, your plug-in car, could cost no more than an equivalent gasoline car, and it has zero tailpipe emissions. So it's an exciting time. There are going to be small numbers, but I really believe that it's going to be easier than ever, and people will have more choices than ever to drive green and really think about the environmental impact of all of the time we spend sitting in these machines that carry us around. I think you're absolutely right. And honestly, I think all eyes are going to be on California for this. I really it's a, do. It's always been a leader in, uh, in ecology, in regulation, in transportation, and I don't see any reason that would stop. Oh, thank you, John. Thank you so much for joining us today. What a great show. Wow. So many questions. But, again, you know, go to allcarselectric.com. There's definitely a lot of information. That article we referred to is on there. If you've missed any part of this, go to drpatlive.com. We'll see you next time, everybody. And remember, a lot of choices out there. It evolves in your court. We'll talk to you soon.